following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. Let's go, baby! Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Monday, September 11th, 2017, season 13, episode number 36. Welcome to another edition and a victory edition of The Break. I'm Derek Eagleton, and we're going to talk Cowboys football here for an hour with you guys. We're going to tell you what went right and wrong for the Cowboys last night as they get their first win of the season. It's week one of the NFL season. Cowboys win 19-3 at AT AT&T Stadium, and by all counts, a very dominating performance by this team we're going to run through all the storylines of the game and I think there's no more fitting place to start than with the dominating performance by the defense Uh, listen to some of these stats and I want to get your opinions on them they held the New York Giants to 35 yards rushing on 12 carries that was 2.9 average Uh, they held them to 220 yards passing and uh, held Eli to a 78.8 quarterback rating they had four sacks in the games in the game, they did not allow the Giants past midfield until after the half. And if you don't count the final series of the game when they were just kind of letting them drive, there was only one drive in the entire game where the Cowboys defense allowed the Giants past midfield. What do you think about that performance from the Cowboys defense? Yeah, if you d- doing good. Doing great, yeah. Seriously, let's wow. get into some football. Awesome. I mean, you, you don't we're not time. We got, we got two point nine yards per carry. Got usually, usually like let's go. five minutes of intro. And no, let's go. Time. I got some let's stats go. for you too. Like three point three hours of sleep, probably. <laughs> well, that's the reason why we need to keep this thing moving so you don't fall asleep. How about that? If okay. you okay. if you that? take out the passing yards on the final possession of the game when they were just kind of letting them do it, Eli Manning finished with hundred and sixty yards. Amazing. That's crazy. I, I mean, I, I assume if you're listening to this, you saw it. You don't need me to tell you a whole lot. They, I mean, that was as dominant as the Dallas defense has looked in the time that I've covered the team, probably. And, yeah, the Giants' offense has been shaky for a couple of seasons now. Odell Beckham didn't play. And I, I don't care because – and I think, you know, the refrain coming from the Cowboys last night I think is true that if you hold an NFL team to three points, that's pretty damn amazing no matter who they're trotting out there. I mean, you just don't see that very often. No, the, the Giants, you know, they, they should be embarrassed by that offensive line because, I mean, it was bad last year. They didn't do a lot to fix it. And it's almost like they're counting on the fact that we've just got all these weapons. But, you know, Brandon Marshall, as good as, as he has been in his career, he needs help. And you need the best – you know, dynamic receiver in the game. And when he's not out there, which I predicted that he wouldn't be, that, you know, <laughs> then, you know, it's going to be tough. That. The Giants. <laughs> I did catch that. Right. That was good. He's only had three and a half hours sleep, so That's we'll fine. allow him that. It's okay. Did I, I thought I was the one that said Beckham wouldn't play. Did you? <laughs> Nick tried to tell us all along. All right, Beckham. Amber, of course, you were you were on the right side of history. And, and not only that, but Tap. you had that, uh, that crazy prediction that there were going to be four – sacks last mm. night and there certainly were four sacks from this defensive front that everybody's been you oh. know kind of yeah. saying that same thing you said about the offensive line oh. is the same thing many people said about this defense that they were bad last year Cowboys didn't do anything to make them better and last night they showed at least for one game three. for one night they were better I yeah I think that was, I stats. mean it was definitely a cra- crazy prediction exactly what the name is called but um one of the struggles, just like you said, was pressuring the quarterback. I think that was one of the main concerns com- coming in, going into this new season. And they definitely, I think, surprised everyone, especially 
Charles Tapper, who I thought was not going to play. I didn't do my final reading on his face, <laughs> facial expression on <laughs> Friday because I missed locker room. But anyways, it was definitely surprising. And now I'm really, really excited. Although, like you mentioned, the offensive line of the Giants is not great. But still, it coming after this game, it looks very promising, the whole defense as a whole unit. You know, they say that he don't, they only have three sacks. I, I thought it was four. I thought they got a I four. I thought it was four as well. No, just three, but two two for Lawrence. But, the, you know, one thing that I think that, Dave, you said last week, we've said it for months now, years really, that they don't really have a defensive guy that you look at and say, man, they got to stop him. You pass, know? pass rusher. Pass rusher. And so and when, when that happens – you know, you, you could just go and play your game and, and, and not have to really worry about anything. But Demarcus Lawrence, they're hoping, can be that kind of guy. And he was in this game. Now, I mean, I understand the Giants have issues up front. But, I mean, to have five tackles, two sacks, three tackles for loss, and two more hits on the quarterback. And that's just what the guys up at the stadium, who they need help as well, that's what they pick. Let's see what the Cowboys, you know, defensive coaches yeah. – throw out there as well i mean that's defensive player of the week nomination stuff like that probably won't get it but definitely worthy of a nomination and he was disruptive you yeah. know what after right before we started training camp i remember asking one of those guys that works over on the football side my main concern has always been defensive end you know pressuring the quarterback and i remember asking this guy that works over there in scouting he was telling me how they're not really concerned about that position just because now, days in this game, the quarterback gets rid of the ball pretty quickly. So trying to sack the quarterback is not really something as important, and I put that in quotation marks because obviously it is important. But I think last night's game was a great example of what they can do, especially with a quarterback that get red, gets rid of the ball as quickly as Eli Manning does. Right, and I think the even more important part to that is, and you saw this a lot last night, it's not just about the defensive ends. In this defense, it's about the middle of the defense. Can you get pressure in the middle that forces the quarterback to have to get rid of it but not be able to step up into a clean pocket? It was a clear difference you saw between what the Cowboys were able to do. Dak had a clean pocket most of the night. The flip side of that is Eli Manning did not because of the pressure that was being applied by Paya and by Malik Collins. So it made it very difficult for Eli even to step up when he needed that extra second in order to make a throw. And I think that was huge. That's Demarcus Lawrence, is, he's got credit on the stat sheet for two sacks, but his second one was basically a team effort where Stephen Paya and Malik Collins just pushed the guard and center into him and right. he kind of sat down and Demarcus Lawrence was the first guy to get to him. Right. I, I I give the majority of the credit of that to the defensive tackles. I thought they were great last night. Paya has been a huge pickup for this team, I think, so far from what we've seen in the preseason and what we saw last night. And just think, like, this That's is... your boy. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's going to beat that drum. But, I mean, which I mean, he's good. I mean, he's good. The guy Derek's played just, really well. But Derek's just going to remind you, like, he's, he saw it coming. <laughs> no, I didn't say anything about what I said. I just said he's playing really well. Nick, what were you about? I was going to say, uh, this is supposed to be the time when they're just trying to... Patch it up, you know, before Demontre Moore comes back. And, of course, David Irving as well. So to have a game like that, you know, with so-called shorthanded, uh, that, that's, 
That speaks well going forward here. Can I be my wet blanket self for like half a second? Absolutely. That's I, what you do. I just wanted to look at this just to see for frame of reference. They got five total sacks against the Giants in two games last year, including three at MetLife. So that Giants line is bad. Like this is an unheard of production. Although I would say as a counter to that, even in games last year, where they got a lot of sacks and a lot of pressures. David Irving had, you know, famously Green Bay and Tampa. He had those two games where he was dominant. But it uh, it's unusual to see a defensive lineman have as much of an impact as Demarcus Lawrence did last night, where he's making as many different types of plays. And you certainly haven't seen that from him recently. So I still think it's encouraging, even knowing that they're going to face a lot better defensive lines than that. Or offensive lines. Did they? uh, But not in the division because did you watch the Eagles Redskins game? (laughs) Yes, I did. I mean, the Cowboys have have the first. They have the the best offensive line in the NFC East. They have the second best line, and then after that, I don't know who's next because I mean that those two lines were horrible in that game. The Giants were I mean awful as well. So nobody. I mean that's five more games where they're probably going to have. I would say pretty good success just rushing to the quarterback. The Eagles and Redskins. If you watch the Seattle game, that was another game where the offensive line struggled mightily to protect their quarterback. And maybe another game the Cowboys actually have a, an offensive line that, that maybe they can dominate. I, I remember hearing Goodson's name several times last night, but I didn't think he had 18 tackles for the Giants. Oh. Who? What does he even play? He was, there, he was there, Mike, with Keenan Robinson sitting out. Um, he, he Pretty good. Seems a lot. Well, I think that's a testament to the type, Andrew creates opportunity. type of passes that the uh, Cowboys were completing. Yep. As well. And the sheer number of plays that they had last night. Yeah, I mean, it was a, 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 clear, a clear mismatch there. Uh, how much do you think that Odell Beckham being out affected this? Because it did appear that it did appear when you look at the offense, their offense was seemingly lost. I mean, it, they just didn't have the ability to find a guy that could get them out of trouble when they needed a, a play. And I suspect if Odell would have been playing – that would have been a different game last night, as we all probably could assume. If Odell had been playing and healthy, I don't right. know. If, Correct. I don't know if. Yeah, I'm Gimpy, assuming health. If you, I don't know if yes. Gimpy Odell makes a difference. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say that it makes a difference. But kind of going back to my point at the beginning, I'm not. You know, 250 total yards and three points. Like that's you're not going from that to out outscoring the Cowboys just off the off one player because if that's all you got. Even this secondary can take him away. I mean, with the way they were playing, they were dropping eight in coverage. They were playing a lot of zone. I, I mean, and that's that's Rod Marinelli's mo in general, but especially against these types of players, limit the big play. Which the, I mean, I think the Giants had one completion that went more than like twelve yards downfield. I think it was to um, Roger Lewis on a third down on that first scoring on their only scoring drive right after halftime they hit him for like 15 yards on a third and long and that was really the only time they had success going more than like eight yards downfield so yeah I think that I think their offense would have been better with Odell but not 16 points better just purely on that merit I mean as one-dimensional as they were not being able to run the ball that I mean even when he comes back they just look like it's going to be a struggle for them one more topic I want to hit on the defense before we move to the offense. Jalen Smith uh, played a ton last night. Yeah. Um, I think the total number, Dave, you tweeted it. This 36. Morning. 36 of how many? 53. Of 53 total defense How many plays. snaps did Justin Durant play? Ask me that. How many plus snaps did Probably Justin 17. Durant? Two. Two. And so that meant we look at them as one player. They're both going to handle the mic job. Never mind, Jalen. Get out there and ball, dude. He's officially 
their player. Like he's officially back in the starter and going to be the man for them Just as long as he can stay healthy at this point. Think about how many minutes and words we've spent kind of couching this situation. Like, well, we don't exactly know what he's going to be. This is the plan that he's on. We don't know. The nerve's not 100%. Yada, yada, yada. And, like, all of that is still probably true. Like, if you watch the tape, he still doesn't look 100% right. And he still went out there and played 36 snaps and had, I think, nine tackles and just looked like a guy that was probably worth drafting in the top 50. And I could write a 2,000-word feature on that, and it still probably wouldn't do justice to how crazy it is. Especially, like, do it. Eight weeks ago, we did not know if he would even be ready to play in this game. You know, it's yep. nuts. Seven tackles and a forced fumble, which that forced fumble kind of, I think, I think what ended up on that play was that the ball was blown dead. So no. they couldn't. Is that, no, no, actually what, what happened on that? Um, play? Cause I'm looking at the stat sheet right now to see if, if they actually ruled it a fumble that they did. Um, Jason Garrett was right in the officials ear and, Three or four people on, on his own sideline were going nuts, just like the fans were. He's talking to the ref. The ref's telling him they recovered the ball. The Giants recovered it. You can challenge it if you want, but, yeah, they recovered it. So it sounded like the, the officials didn't even call it a fumble um, on the field, but, but, they did, but the Giants recovered the ball anyways with a clear recovery. So challenging it doesn't, doesn't do anything. They didn't get the ball. I watched that replay just now with Broadus and Sean Lee bear hugged that ball on the yeah. ground. Like, and maybe so the Sean Giants, Lee got it. Maybe the Giants wound up with came it. Out, I think yeah, he came Lee out of he it. came out of the huddle out of the the scrum with it. It sure. My, the only thing like I could Sean think Lee was maybe okay. maybe he grabbed it, or maybe the defense. I mean, the offensive player actually grabbed it and pulled it in, and then as the the pile started, somehow he grabbed it from him. That's the only thing I could think of, but. I'll, again, he you, did come out with the ball. It would Five have minutes to, to go in the second quarter. It's probably worth. It would have know, to hold up under the scrutiny of the replay, but Sean Lee's the first guy to it. And then, you know, you never know what happens under a pile, but I have a hard time believing somebody's going to take a ball away from Sean Lee if he was the guy that got it. Maybe, I mean, right. and footballs are weird. Maybe it squeaked out when he kind of wrapped his arms around it, but it looked like Sean Lee but, got it. And but, if you remember that he was kind of held up, like Sean Lee held the player up and then he got hit. And so that's the only reason I thought maybe, cause I couldn't tell when the whistle blew, maybe it was the whistle blew. The play was dead. So it didn't matter that the, yeah. the happened. But that's the point, the, the point of the whole thing, what you're saying is, is that when the, he, he attacks the ball, Jalen Smith, and he, you know, he gets there, he makes the hits and, Things happen. I mean, guys go down, ball comes out. I mean, he's just a forceful player. I mean, there was that one play where it seemed like three different guys hit. hit. You remember that one where the guy hits him up and then he spins? And then, yeah, and then Jalen comes flying in. And, when he hits you, you kind of go yeah, down. And so it, yeah, and so it's almost, I, don't, I hate to compare any player like that, but I just remember three or four years ago when Rolando McClain was there, and we would be sitting up in St. Louis, and which is, a, you know, above the clouds and you can look down and see oh, that was definitely Rolando McClain made that tackle. Just you could just see so much force. And so he kind of reminds me of that. Hopefully that's the only really the only similarity <laughs> that they have. So far let's say that's true. And let's stick with that. <laughs> let's move over to the offensive side of the ball. I do want to talk a little bit. Start first by talking about Ezekiel Elliott. Yesterday he runs 24 times for 104 yards, 4.3 average. And I thought the most impressive impressive thing was that his longest run was 10 yards. This was a, a beat-em-up kind of game where he really had to grind out yards, and I think that's what he does best. He finds a seam, he gets through it, and there were a lot of times when guys had him, 
and he still got three, four more yards out of it because of his ability to push the pile. What did you guys see from Ezekiel, and, and, and how do you grade his game yesterday? I, well, I thought he played um... – you know, I blow expectations. I thought 200 yards for him, all purpose. <laughs> What's going on? No, I mean, if to get 140, um, he was really tired. You could tell. I mean, he it was it was a tough one for the Giants. I mean, that's just the way they play. So I thought I thought he did a nice job. I really did. I'm, he, he there was a one play I remember pointing over at you and saying that's the difference between him. He just hits the line and just keeps the legs churning, and it's three yards. Some of these plays should not even be one yard, and he gets two or three. That's the difference with him. You see that? Born out in the stat sheet. I mean, no disrespect to Alfred Morris, and I think uh, given a larger sample size, I think he would have had a better night, but he averaged .3 yards per carry. When Zeke gets the ball, you know it's Zeke because he gets swallowed up at the line and still gets three yards. Like Even his bad runs are good runs, and that's that's the difference that he makes on top of – his dynamic ability, yeah, he didn't really do it in this game. He had the 30-yard reception, but in terms of game-breaking runs, you're not going to get him against a defense like this. This this reminded me of an Alabama-LSU game, just like just beating on each other and wearing them down, trusting in your defense. I mean, honestly, I said this last yeah. night. In term- I love that brand of football, though. It's fun to watch. It, it was. It's encouraging mm. that the Cowboys are capable of playing that brand of football, and we know their offenses. Right. Yeah. We've known that since – I mean, since the get with the way that they can run the ball, but to have the defense hold up their end of the bargain too, uh, it's that is not going to go down as a memorable game. I mean, you had the Beasley, you know, the tiptoe crazy catch, and Zeke's thirty-yard catch, and that was it as far as like thirty-five-yard catch. Was it thirty-five or thirty? I think it was thirty-five. Get Bryce. Oh, Bryce oh, had a nice yeah. long one too. Yeah, you get my. It was not an exciting game of football. It wasn't it was just, just airing it out, kind of methodical. Yeah. It wasn't up and down. The Giants had one real possession. The Cowboys settled for field goals four out of five times, but they just wore them down. And honestly, go back. I mean, the games they they played and lost to the Giants last year were the same way, except they couldn't get it done. I mean, how could you not be happy with that performance, knowing that this is the only team that really gave you problems last year? The the one thing I mean, not to be negative about it, but but you, you know that a game like this they're gonna have to play better. You know, I mean, Denver's you, you go to Denver, that's gonna be a tougher game than, than this one. You know, with their defense and playing up there and all that. I thought about the same offense though. No, they don't have this. I know, probably about the same offense. Oh, yeah. that you saw last night. Yeah, and so I think that the offensive coordinator and the play calling needs to get improved from that. I, I thought that you know they got bailed out by the defense. But there were some times there, and, and everyone knows the one possession there after the Bryce catch, that was just way too cute, and, and it's it goes against what they're trying to do. I just don't understand. I, they, they rushed to the line thinking Bryce did not catch it. Okay, I get I get that. Throwing it up to Dez, whatever. But they, they, they tried too hard to get the ball to Dez. How do you get the ball at the three-yard line and not give it to Zeke? I mean, that doesn't make, that makes no sense. And then later in the game, you're kind of trying to run out the clock, and you throw it three times uh, again. You know, and you're, and you're not doing it. So I just, it don't, doesn't make sense for I, – I thought Linehan had an okay game call in there. It, it could have been better. I want to take a break right now, but when we come back, I do want to talk about the offensive line and how they played, and I want to get back to that conversation on some of that play calling because 
Uh, I'll make the argument that maybe it was a little bit of Dak not being completely on top of his game when it comes to passing and some of the the passes that he threw not being completely accurate. We'll talk about that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. We, the entertainment-loving people, demand the best unlimited wireless plan ever from AT&T. What else do you want, a unicorn? Maybe. Only AT&T offers you unlimited data with HBO included and never pay overages. Get AT&T Unlimited Plus, our best wireless deal on unlimited data. Plus save $25 per month on DirecTV. It's entertainment your way. After 22 gigabytes of data usage, AT&T may slow speeds. Plan includes stream saver and videos will stream in standard definition unless you turn it off. $25 DirecTV savings requires AT&T Unlimited Plus. Credits start within three bills. Service prices subject to change. Other usage, speed, fees, charges, and restrictions apply. See att.com slash unlimited for details. Hey, Cowboys fans. Did you know that over the next few years, more than a million service members will transition from military to civilian life? Veterans face unique challenges when they get out of the military, and Bank of America and the Dallas Cowboys are teaming up to help with financial education, career opportunities, and support of military nonprofits and organizations locally in North Texas and across the country. We're proud to support our troops and are deeply grateful for the dedication and sacrifice of our service members and veterans. Bank of America, official bank of the Dallas Cowboys, invites you to join us in our efforts to get involved by tagging game day photos on social media using hashtag troop thanks. That's hashtag troop thanks. And by learning more about our commitment to veterans at bankofamerica.com slash military support. Together, we can thank our troops in ways that make a real difference. Copyright 2016, Bank of America Corporation. Bowling night with friends and you're hanging out together You picked up a spare but you're craving something better A thirst runs deep inside, you don't know what to do You crave a nice little Dr. Pepper and a hero to save you Craving Rider You ride the wave of Dr. Pepper when you're craving Dr. Pepper Craving Rider When you crave a Dr. Pepper, nothing else will do Pick up an ice cold 20 ounce bottle today Dr. Pepper I hear all this talk about what it takes to be a cowboy. Everyone's got their ideas, but I just say to myself, it's what's up top that matters. Sure, you need men with the muscle and heart to get her done, but if your scouts and coaches are listening out there, a word of advice. Pick the man with the most well-worn Stetson. That's the one most cut out to be a cowboy. Stetson hats are handmade right here in Texas and have been on cowboys' heads for over 150 years. The rest of you can visit stetson.com cowboy to find a retailer nearest you back to the break welcome back we're in the second segment of the break live from the swbc mortgage studios at the star we're talking about the cowboys opening night win against the new york giants 19 to 3 at at&t stadium uh, we were talking about ezekiel elliott and a couple more things i want to hit on that topic i think the first thing um, is specific to the offensive line that blocked for him there were two pieces of that offensive line that we talked a lot about last week Chaz green uh, who was your starter at left guard, um, and then Lyle Collins, who was getting his first start at right tackle. Talk to me about their performances, what you saw from them that was good, and maybe even what you saw from them that was bad, if there was anything. Well, Collins, I thought, struggled, I mean, for, for a lot of the game. But, of course, he's playing against one of the best, um, you know, to, to do it in JPP. So, um, but, I, yeah, he had some he had some moments where he didn't play so well. I mean, I'm sure that, and he you know, he won his fair share of battles, but – this is not going to be. This is not going to be the game where you look at it and go, "Wow, you know, he he's got it. He's ready. He's turned the corner. He's still got work to do." But they're not all as good as JPP, so that's a good thing. Hey, Nick, I grade on a curve, and Nick doesn't. That we established that way back at training camp. I thought he. I mean, I thought he was great for a guy starting his first game 
at a new position against a multiple-time Pro Bowler, got one holding flag. Uh, Giants' only sack didn't come from his direction. Olivier Vernon's the one that got that. And that was a little weird yeah, play. Like, no, it was It was a good defensive yes. call for what they had offensively. Yeah. You know, didn't have any breaks where he's yelling, look out, or right. anything like that. They, <laughs> they ran for 4.2 yards against one of the best fronts that they'll play all right. year. Uh, yeah, no, I'm sure if you go back and watch every snap, I'm sure he had his share of struggles, but that is a win against a guy as good as JPP. That is a great performance for a guy, again, starting his first game at right tackle. I did go back and look at at least the first half, and I was looking specifically at him and at Chaz. There really weren't a lot of plays where he busted. Like mm. There were a couple plays, and I know what you're talking about. There was a play or two, and I think this actually happened in the second half. There was a play or two where he got tossed a little bit. Yeah. It didn't mean anything, though, because the yeah. defender wasn't able to get to the quarterback and actually affect the play. Um, on though on that particular one I'm thinking about, but oh, Reggie White, but, Larry Allen, like yeah, he got he got, but but again in the entire first half I didn't see him bust on a play that was of significance. So to me, like I say, I, I kind of agree with you on a curve. You look at that and you say if that's his first, if that's the first time he's out there against a guy like uh, like like Pierre Paul, I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I feel good about it. I'm just saying I he I didn't think he won the the matchup, um, but. But, I mean, he got a little bit of help there uh, at times. But, I mean, nothing that, that hurt him or anything like that. I thought Chaz Green did, did you know, a really nice job. But, again, you're going to have some help there in the le- at the left guard spot. But we didn't see really any um, – no penalties. It didn't didn't really find any plays where he, he was getting blown up or anything like that. I know Frederick did have that one play that was bad. But, yeah. I mean, for the most part, I thought the line did a good job. But, but Green, I mean – when you don't, you're not even talking about the left guard. No, so we're not talking about him. It's actually that's a good thing. If those are the weak links of your line, and they play like that against one of the best fronts they'll see all year, yeah. I feel great about it. Yes, there, there were some plays where actually Chaz Green made me say, "Wow, it was a nice mm-hmm. block." Like yeah. he had some nice blocks against Harrison, which I thought that was going to be. I thought Harrison would have a few moments in that game where he completely destroyed him. And I didn't see that. Like, there were a couple plays where he made some really nice blocks on him. He did a really good job of getting to the second level in, in several different situations. I was very impressed with Chaz Green and what he did at guard. Yeah. And, you know, we give we gave Lyell a lot of credit for his athleticism when he does stuff like pull. You saw some of that from Chaz last yep. night, too. So uh, I, there was a funny moment. I don't remember if it was the first half or second, but Lyell tried to do that kind of bat move that Tyron Smith is so good at where he just kind of smacks you on your way past and throws you out of the play. It did not work as well as it does when Tyron does it. But I, I, if that, you know, may, I, I think he did beat JPP. Yeah. JPP didn't really, I mean, he didn't get a sack. You had one flag against him. You won the game, and he didn't limit you from doing what you wanted to do in the offense. I right. call that a win. Well, what, what I like about it is, is you know he plays with a mean streak. He's not afraid, and he went straight up. You know, he did go toe to toe with them several times. Uh, you know, he's not going to be intimidated by by him. Uh, I know that there was a few plays that they they kind of had some talking afterwards. Now that was the one where Pierre Paul came back and kind of threw him to the side. So, you know, you know he, he's he's an All Pro as well, or he has been uh, for sure. So it, it it was a great it was a great matchup. It's going to get. I mean, it's going to get. Even tougher this week, right? I mean, I guarantee you that uh, that guy from Denver is probably going to line up over there against him. I would bet, yeah. I mean, five five tackles, a tackle for loss, and a quarterback hit for JPP. So, I mean, he he had his moments, and I'm yeah. not saying Lyle was perfect by any stretch, but 
I'll take that. Yeah, all things considered, I don't think he was a he was a, a an Achilles heel for them last night. No. I think he played pretty well. All right, let's uh, let's talk about a little bit about Dak Prescott. Nick, you said before the break you were talking about how the Cowboys got a little cute, and I agree. There were certain points in the game when, especially if you're first and goal at the, I think it was a three yeah. or four, if you're down in that territory and to have four downs and you don't run the ball a single time with this offensive line and that running back, and by the way, that quarterback that can also run, to me, that's a fail. Um, and the Cowboys end up with a field goal in that instance. But uh, all that being said, I do think on at least two of those passes, um, it was a situation where it looked as though the quarterback was a little off. Talk about his accuracy last night, because that seemed to be kind of a common theme throughout the game, especially for a guy that, that hits as many uh, such a high percentage of his passes, usually uh, from what we saw last season. Yeah, I mean, I thought that there were some, there were some plays where, you know, he – but see, I think he's still throwing it relatively safe I mean uh, safe throws you know down down there that are going to be incomplete or nothing and so you know there were some deep balls he also threw that that, you know the Dez is kind of getting shoved out of bounds a little bit it's either going to be out of bounds or or nothing he throws throws that one down at the goal line that you know Dez actually he he caught but he didn't he didn't get his feet in so he's I think Dak still played it relatively safe I, I the the best play that I thought he made Last night, or one of the better plays, into the game, rolling right, doesn't want to get sacked, doesn't want to go out of bounds, doesn't want to stop the clock, throws it back over his body to Witten, but but very low. So Jason's got to go down and get it. He did, kept the chains moving, kept the clock moving, and, and it still was a conservative play. So I think he still played rel- relatively conservative. I don't have a big issue with the way Dak played last night. I, I They make you play ugly, and so that's just kind of the way it is. I, I thought he played all right. I thought the play calling down there, though, was bad. I mean, you got lean on the best running back in the NFL when he's down there at the three. I mean, make it a four-down territory. Just keep grinding it and don't fade up with low-percentage passes to Dez just because I feel like Dez is in his ear saying, give me the ball, give me the ball, give me the ball, and you try to shut him up by doing that. Shut him up by scoring. You know what I do wonder? I do wonder if, if maybe they decided to go away from it when they were down that close. That was the first situation they had like that that game because they had so much respect for guys like Harrison maybe. there in the middle. And maybe they said, hey, we don't feel like that's our best option. I agree with the idea of – and I, I do think, again, there were a couple of those passes that if the ball would have been on target, they could have made the play. There was the the uh, the play – I think it was the second down play where Dez was kind of coming across. Yeah, it was, the ball goes high. Dak even told him, hey, man, that's my fault. You could tell that that was a play that could have been converted. They could have gotten a touchdown on that play. So I don't have as big of a problem. I do think they need to run it when they get in those situations. But I do think that that's something they have to clean up. And I think Dak will because usually when Dak's in that kind of situation, he tends to be pretty accurate. A defense this good can stop you if they know you're going to run. I mean, this is the NFL. But make them do it. I, that's what I think. I mean, yeah, on, you might get stuffed if you try to run on a defense that good in an obvious situation like that. But, man, you got a lot of resources committed to being able to run the ball to not have confidence in yourself to do it. And and we're not talking about – we're talking about three yards or real 1.5 yards because you can do it twice in a row. Even, even after you threw the fade to Dez, which I don't have a problem with that call at all. It was half a foot away from being a touchdown. But then run the ball. and a second, though. You're right. I mean, yeah, yeah. the second down play is the biggest one. So I mean, the first down, they're running it really quick to make sure that they can just snap the ball before the Giants get a good, you know, look at the replay. Right. It it's totally logical to say an NFL front this talented can load up and stop you, but make them do it. I mean, you got a hundred and whatever million dollars committed to be able to do this, and 
you take it out of your own hands and say, well, they'll stop us. Like, how do you know? Yeah, right. So I don't, I don't like that. But as a general statement on Dak, yeah, I mean, they make you play ugly. His two worst performances were this team. And, yeah, he, he threw a couple balls behind guys, and he was high to Dez in the end zone. But 90.5 quarterback rating, completed 62% of his passes. No Still inter- a good night. No turnovers. Yeah. Uh, Weigh in on this because last night you said something up in the press box. You said that they don't if they don't play this if they play like this, you know, in, in future games they're going to lose. I mean, I just have really mixed thoughts on this, just because I really think that they just got lucky. To me, the Cowboys' offense got lucky last night, and I say this just because I agree the uh, the Giants' defense it's great, one of the best. But at the same time, there were a lot of missed opportunities for from Dak Prescott. Some of the incompletion passes, he could have made that. It wasn't on the defense. It was not on the Giants' defense. So I just think it was really sloppy. And you compare it to the game they had last year, those two games they lost and everything. That's the only thing that makes this game good. I think last night's game when you compare it to last year. Other than that, I don't think the the game was not great. So I don't agree with you, Nick, saying how Dak's performance was good. I just well, I think I think it this whole it was good enough. And again, yeah, it was good enough. You know, they came out and beat the Giants' defense. Well, I, but again, still. I mean, it's a different season. You can't you can't perfectly compare it to last year, but. Go back and look at how bad this offense was against this team compared to all their other games. They scored 19 points and lost in game one. They scored seven points in game two. And this, I mean, and they hummed against everybody else. So I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt that 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 this isn't a systematic problem that's going to continue into future weeks. I mean, they're going to yeah. have their what, work cut out. There are a lot of week. things that I just think they can do. They just weren't able to do it, but you know they can. So that's just where it's kind of like, okay, you know how they can perform, and you didn't see that. I'll, I'll tell you this. That red zone percentage is not going to get it done. No. That's, that's but, bad. But I think here's the part to remember that if you there were three games, in my opinion, last season where the Cowboys had a hard time moving the ball. It was the two Giants games, and it was the Minnesota game. And in all three of those instances, it was not just that they weren't able to score in the red zone. It was that they couldn't move the ball. They weren't consistently moving the ball. Last night, they racked up a ton of offense. They were moving the ball up and down the field. The issue was the red zone, and that's something I think you can fix. Like I said, I think in some of those instances, if you had a little more accurate passing, as Nick said, if you had a little different play calling in some of those situations, I think those are fixable things. But the problem that they had last year in those three games was not the problem last night, and that's improvement, right? Yeah, well— no, go ahead. I, I think a, an issue that when I'm looking at the at the stats here, that this is something that they've got to fix. I mean, Witten gets nine targets, catches seven times. Terrence Williams, seven targets, six catches. Zeke, five and five. Beasley, five targets, three catches. Dez, nine targets, two catches. Quit forcing the ball to Dez. He it, it will happen. It will. It, he's he's one of the best in the league. It'll happen. Quit trying to get him involved so much with the high, with low percentage passes. I'm gonna understand getting him the ball, get the ball in his hands, give him reverse, give him bubble screens, Slants, but but right. these low percentage chances to get him involved doesn't do anything, and then it gets everything more frustrated. Get the ball in his hands and let him go make plays. I'm torn about that because 
I, I mean, this is like the classic damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because if you just take what you're given and don't try to get him the ball, then we're on here saying, you got this badass all-pro wide receiver. Why aren't you trying to get him involved? Maybe you can move the ball if you chunk him up some some balls. I mean, and I mean, it doesn't look pretty on the stat sheet, but he's half a foot away from a touchdown. He's a bad pass away from a touchdown down in the red zone. Uh, he draws a 21-yard defensive pass interference that sets you up for the only touchdown of the game. If you attack that, let's call that a catch, then yeah. he's at three for 64. Yeah. You feel better about his stat line then? And then on top of that, again, you're challenging one of the best cornerbacks in the game. He came half a foot away from making a circus touchdown grab, which we know he can do. Right. So, And he was clearly held on one of the others. That was not called. I'm I'm not thrilled about what that stat line looks like, and I there's something to be said for low percentage plays, but it it kind of worked to a degree. I mean, it made him respect the pass. Like I said, you set him up for your only touchdown of the night, trying to get the ball to him. Um, I think it's better when he's and 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 it's better for everybody when he's involved. In my opinion, in terms of his mindset, his psyche, what the defense is thinking. So I don't have a big problem with it. It just so happens that the Giants are uniquely position to where they can defend him well here's the other flip side to that argument nick is let's stop and consider for this for a second that maybe his role in this offense is going to be the big play guy maybe he is the guy that they're going to be trying to take their shots with des bryant and yes last night a lot of those didn't work because you're playing a really good cornerback that happens to to be very good against des as we've seen in other matchups that they've had but against a lot of other cornerbacks in this league they're going to be forced to double Des because in yep. those kind of situations, when you're taking those kinds of shots with Des Bryant, one guy ain't going to get it done. That opens up other things. So maybe his role in this offense will be, it's not going to be the Antonio Brown type role. It's not going to be the Julio sure. Jones type role. It's going to be the kind of guy that he's a big play guy and we're looking for him to make huge plays for us. And you're going to have to pay more attention to him or, or do it at your own peril or not do it. at your own And, and that's fine. But two, you know, two of nine is, is not going to get it done there from target standpoint. And, and I, I'm sure this just like last last year, same thing. They tried on the week one. What's going on with Dez? They tried too hard to get him the ball, come back against Washington the next week. And he was a lot more effective uh, against Josh Norman and those guys. And so I'm sure that it'll it'll happen like that in this game. But I do want to talk about the other receiver. I thought Terrence Williams did it, did an unbelievable job uh, y- yesterday. I mean, I, six catches, all of it after hurting his ankle in the first play of the game. Yep. Uh, and he, he said afterwards that the doctor said, you're fine. It's just going to – you're going to have some pain that you have to deal with. And he said, I, I can deal with that. And if that's what happens next week in Denver, I'll deal with that. He had a walking boot on. He's you know he's hoping that it'll just be a sprain that he can kind of get through and fight through. But he did a great job in that game yesterday. If he hadn't tweaked his angle, he's scoring on that slant. Yep. Where he caught it and dodged the guy and kind of cut it. It looked exactly like the touchdown that he scored against the Lions in the playoffs, playoffs. three years ago. But – he didn't have that extra gear to get past the safeties, which, but he played a great game. Let's take our final break. When we come back, I want to talk about some things that happened last night that can affect this team going forward. Ezekiel Elliott back in the news a little bit and some injuries that could affect the Cowboys in the next week or so. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. To work this big land, you need equipment with values rooted as deep in Texas soil as you are. Like John Deere compact tractors with a six-year powertrain warranty and big features that help you work less so you have more time to do what you love. 
John Deere was first in the Texas fields and we're proud to be on the field as the official ag and turf equipment of the Dallas Cowboys. Find Texas size deals at myjohndeerdealer.com slash football. Terms, conditions, exclusions, and warranty limitations apply. See dealer for details. We, the entertainment-loving people, demand the best unlimited wireless plan ever from AT&T. What else do you want, a unicorn? Maybe. Only AT&T offers you unlimited data with HBO included and never pay overages. Get AT&T Unlimited Plus, our best wireless deal on unlimited data. Plus, save $25 per month on DirecTV. It's entertainment your way. After 22 gigabytes of data usage, AT&T may slow speeds. Plan includes stream saver and videos will stream in standard definition unless you turn it off. $25 DirecTV savings requires AT&T Unlimited Plus. Credits start within three bills. Service prices subject to change. Other usage, speed, fees, charges, and restrictions apply. See att.com slash unlimited for details. Star Sports Tours is the only official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, offering exclusive game weekend travel packages with sideline access and photo ops with current players, alumni, and cheerleaders. That's not all, though. You'll get to talk X's and O's with Senior Director of Player Personnel, Will McClay, and of course with yours truly, me, Brian Broadus. You can trust the official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and with us, you'll travel like a pro. Visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. Jack Black products are carefully formulated with the finest natural ingredients and proven high-performance skincare technology. You'll find these performance products in the locker room at the Ford Center and in the luxury suites at AT&T Stadium. Go to our website at getjackblack.com and check out all of our game-changing products, including Beard Lube, our award-winning shave cream, and Deep Dive Glycolic Facial Cleanser, a Men's Health Award winner. Again, that's getjackblack.com. Nothing complicated, nothing cosmetic, just superior skincare. Back to the break. Welcome back. It's the final segment of the break, live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios. At the star, we were talking about the Cowboys' big win, 19-3, over the New York Giants. They uh, they win yesterday. The Eagles also win yesterday, so the Cowboys and Eagles now sit atop the division after one game. First place. So continues to develop over the season. Um, let's talk about a couple things that happened last night, though, that can affect the Cowboys in coming weeks. Uh, last night, late last night, we hear that, uh, or it may have even been this, this morning, morning. Uh, we hear that the NFL has filed an appeal um, of the injunction that was ruled last week here in uh, in the Dallas area. Um, Dave, what does that mean? I mean, what at this point does that mean at this point for, for Zeke's ability to be able to play this week and in coming weeks? For the time being, nothing. Uh, the NFL didn't like the ruling that they got on Friday when the Honorable Amos Mazant uh, granted Zeke his injunction, which will allow him to play for the foreseeable future. They're going to try to get that decision overturned in federal appellate court. So that he will... So that they can enforce the suspension. They're just trying to nullify the injunction, say no. Um, no. no. Not see, but not no. Not see, no. Um, I, you know, I, there's no, there's no set game plan for how these things work. But again, this is the legal system. I think they're going to try to expedite it and have this be an emergency hearing. So theoretically, if they are to get that granted, you could hear this in a few weeks. Um, but first of all, that's very rare. It's, and, you know, it's entirely up to the court. I think I read online that they only grant those types of things like 10% of the time. Yeah, it was like 7.5% of the time, yeah. Uh, and then if it's not expedited, it takes an average of nine months for an appellate court to hear these types of things. So wow. it doesn't sound like this is... <laughs> well, backed up there. It doesn't sound like this is something that's going to affect the here and now. Um, and and if, the, if it is expedited and they do move it into court quicker than usual, you'll definitely hear about it, but... I don't think that this is going to affect the next month of Zeke's season 
if the year at all. It's just the NFL trying to do what they can to it sounds like they're trying to save face basically to me yeah. and now that we are back on the running back topic I see a lot of questions on Twitter in regards to McFadden being inactive last night what are y'all's thoughts on this I know Nick it's pretty yeah upset at that decision I'm but upset. really I it's not, I'm not upset by it it's just ridiculous <laughs> woo pig dude I mean <laughs> ridiculous why is it ridiculous because he doesn't do anything better than McFadden, especially for the role that he's trying to do as a backup. He doesn't block better. He doesn't catch better. He he doesn't. He couldn't even help you on special teams as a return if you needed that. Even though not that it, that would be his main role, but the second guy is supposed to come in and provide more of a spark. And I think he he does that better than than Morris. Um, Stats are what they are. I mean, that at four carries for a yard, that's not really much. I mean, it's hard to, to, for anyone to really get a gauge on that. I'm not really talking about the stats. I just – he doesn't come in and provide any relief. And the last time McFadden played against the Giants, I think he just went for 160. So, I, I, I just don't understand why they practiced him the way they did and then to come back and not do it unless there's a setback or injury or something we don't know about. But from just talent standpoint, it doesn't make any sense. My theory, my theory is that, and we've been saying that all year, is that McFadden's the better receiver and the better blocker. I don't think it played out in the preseason. I, I mean, McFadden had some breakdowns and and didn't look. I mean, he ran the ball well, but I'm talking about the rest of the stuff. But he I, didn't run any better than Morris did. I, I I thought. I mean, they both had solid preseasons, and I I mean, the only explanation I can really come up with, and honestly, I agree with Nick. I've always said I'd rather Morris be my lead back. But in, if you're talking about a backup, I think McFadden fits that role better if you're only getting six to eight touches or less per game. But the only explanation I can really come up with is that Morris was consistently good throughout the preseason, and they wanted to reward that effort. Uh, that's all I got. Cause, and I said this last night before the game, is like somebody, uh, an accomplished running back is going to have to sit because you can't play them all. So... You know, maybe I, I'm curious to see if is this going to be a changing thing? Are they going to sit one? Are they going to rotate who sits every week? Or is Morris definitively the guy? I don't know. But uh, my the only thing I can come up with is is that Morris outplayed him overall in terms of every aspect of the position over the course of the preseason. I think uh, I think McFadden is just built for this like coming in the game and 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 rotate. I mean, he's been doing it even in his. Heisman runner-up seasons, he was he was rotating with other backs, and so I, I think he he knows how to get in there quickly, do some stuff, you know, w- without getting a limited amount of carries. And I think Morris maybe needs a little bit more time to kind of get into the flow and all that. Where I think McFadden would be able to help you just in spot duty because really all you need for 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 Zeke. But here's a hot take: is that as long as Zeke is healthy and eligible to play, I don't really care. It, yeah, it I doesn't really matter. Whatever. Yep. It's kind of like the backup quarterback conversation at this point. Like, unless you lose your guy, then it doesn't yeah. really matter very much now, does it? Not really. All right, let's uh, let's move on to an injury that occurred last night. Orlando Skandrick yeah. goes down uh, with a fractured hand. Have we heard anything more about his status and what's going to have to happen with him? We'll have surgery, and, and we'll see, you know, how long it takes and, and, and which actual bone it is. They're saying that he could probably play here at some point. I don't know about this next game. I don't know. After you have the surgery, I mean, 
you got different injuries. I mean, I, I know DeMarco Murray had a, something like that that he played the next game. I remember Emmett had something where he maybe missed one game. So I don't know the actual bone and where the fracture is. And, the, you know, I just, it all matters. Yeah, I know yesterday, I mean, it was just like, you're out. So, but it's different when you have that, you need surgery, you need to be able to protect it with, with a cast or brace and all that stuff. So um, he'll probably, if I had to guess, he'll miss a, a game or two maybe. But he, I mean, he'll still be able to play here at some point. Jerry said he's hopeful that he'll be able to play in subsequent games. Maybe not Denver, okay. Arizona, Maybe. or or Week Four. I, okay. I don't. It doesn't sound like it's going to keep him out for a super long amount of time. Revis. Well, I mean, and actually, last night we kind of talked about this. I think it was you, Dave, or it may have been Rob, but. You know, that's why you got Benet Ben Wickery is yeah. because you were hoping to have a veteran that can be kind of that depth that you needed. And hopefully this week they can get Jordan Lewis Thank back you. into the mix and see what he can do. The, the thing that we've heard the most about him and what he does the best is to be able to play in the slot. So if he can give you a little bit of that, and I don't know how fast he could do that having missed all of training camp. I think I, they're going to try hard to have him on the 46 this week. I don't. I mean, I can't say that definitively right now. They haven't practiced or even probably watch the tape of last night but i think they're going to try to get him ready this is probably a good week to do it too because you're not facing a terribly great quarterback uh when you start talking about denver i mean denver has good receivers but the quarterback isn't the best so maybe this is a week where the cowboys can absorb an injury like this um and still be able to be uh, effective well and what i liked from this game after i saw orlando getting hurt and coming out of the game i was like oh crap <laughs> here we go but the the defense didn't get messed up. Like, they didn't miss a beat. They kept going. It didn't mess up the rhythm. So that's really good that that happened. And you feel pretty good about this defense in the secondary. Yeah, I mean, Cheeto uh, came in and, and did some good things. And, and again, they're... The Giants are just so one-dimensional that, that it's just hard to kind of get a, a good gauge on things. And they're going to have uh, tougher matchups than that. But, you know... It's not their fault. They went out there and covered the guys. And um, I got the feeling that Brandon Marshall seemed a little disinterested. I, I, that's just from my take. I mean, I, it didn't seem like he was really in the flow at all. There was that one playoff to the side where he kind of just – it seemed like he didn't give a great effort. Like he could have maybe extended his body a little more and put two hands out there to catch it. I mean, I just it just didn't seem like he was in, in the game at all. And, yeah. As a receiver, it's hard to it, – you need – you're relying on everyone to do their job before you can do yours. I get it. It just, it just didn't seem like he was in it at all. Yeah, I wouldn't make a call like that on him that he was disinterested. But I will say – I will say it was, it was what, second quarter? And I, yeah. we were mentioning in the press box, like, has – He played, has he seen, yeah. Like, have they thrown the ball even his way? Um, it didn't seem like they, they did a really good job of figuring out how they could integrate him, integrate him into this offense, especially on a night when their top wide receiver was gone. It, I'm like I said, it's amazing that that level of dominance by the defense and that level of ineptitude. I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. Just because, I mean, that's not the way the NFL works. Even even the best defenses, you're going to give up a little bit of a run, and that's. I spent the whole game just saying, "All right, this is where they're going to piece this together." Yeah. Like you, you're not going to just keep them out of the red zone for an entire game. If, That's basically exactly what they did. If the Giants turn things around and they, they become a playoff team and things like that, 
remember this game, and when it's time for people to start voting on MVP, just remember this because if if you can be that much of a difference maker by not being there and still come back, and then this is going to be a good offense. If that's the case, then then you should we should think about just how valuable Beckham is. I mean, it's a lot of ifs, but. I mean, we've seen them a lot better than that, and that they weren't even close to that without him on the field. I have no doubt this Giants team will still be a very, very good sure. team in the Cowboys. Their defense is going to keep them exactly. In game. Not like only that, but their will. offense will be better. Like their offense, I think you take you took what was the linchpin of their offense out, and and I think probably yeah. more dependent on him and their offense than most teams are because. Not only he's just as dangerous when he's not catching the ball as right. he is when he is, and that makes a guy like Perkins, who's coming out of the backfield, even better. They couldn't run the ball last night, no. but I think part of the reason they couldn't run the ball is because they didn't have that threat there on the outside that you got to worry about. Um, so I think that makes a huge difference for them. When he comes back, they're going to be fine, and the Cowboys still do have to play them again in in the Meadowlands in December. Um, in December, yeah. So let's get a uh, let's get some phone calls. 214-872-2102. Again, it's 214-872-2102. You can also hit us up on Twitter at Cowboys Break. We got a call from Q in Jersey City. Q, what up? Hey, how you doing, guys? Good, how you doing? All right, good show, good show. Um I just um I really just wanted to speak on Dez and I I was looking at a lot of shows today and they was talking about how Jack Rabbit shut him down. I think Des did a great job and got open a lot. Dak just missed him on a couple of throws. And I just wanted to know if y'all seen the tape and what do y'all think about uh, how he's moving around and how he did uh, game one. All right, thanks for the call. Janoris Jenkins. Is he, is he that good to have just a nickname like that? Why not? He's not on the level where you have a nickname. Okay, but I mean, no one's going to the press conference and asking, you know, coaches about it like that. Somebody did that this week. Asked Jason Garrett about how they think the matchup with Jack Rabbit. Or, did Jason say who? Who are you? He said, "I don't exactly." Know who that is. He said, "I don't know who Jack Rabbit is." Yeah, I don't know who that is. And um, anyways, um, yeah, I thought Jenkins he he, he guards him well. He, he obviously now two straight games like that. He. He um, he does a nice job with Des, and you're not going to win every every battle. Des had a couple of catches. He got he drew a pass interference at times, but Jenkins more than holds his own sometimes, literally. And and I think they they did he did a nice job. It's a good battle. I, I don't know if it's worthy of getting a commercial out there, but I think it's a it's a good battle between these two. Uh, Des said Des said watch the film and you'll see that he caught some breaks. And I I watched a little bit of the film this morning. I didn't watch every single offensive play there were like 80 of them but I know you know Dez turned him around but Dak didn't see him in time I I mean I call it a draw like I I, basically Dez caught three passes for 64 yards if you factor in the defensive pass interference which wound up being really important so what I mean he was averaging 20 yards of reception so granted they targeted him nine times so Jenkins won plenty of those but he he played his role and yeah the the efficiency like Nick said is not great but he played his role in in what they wanted to do. They kept you know kept them honest, and forced Jenkins to make plays. Like I don't have a big problem with it because, like I said, they they were they were close on a lot of that. And and he's a great cornerback. I mean, I I, I call it a draw. I thought Dez was fine. I agree. Um, Mention a little bit about um, Bryce too. You know Bryce's game. 
he's one of those guys where like he he will make good play here and then he kind of does a head scratcher here and he comes back. That's just kind of what he his career has been. Great catch for thirty yards, set up should should have been a touchdown. You know that they set up, but they only got a field goal. Comes back has a has a key drop over the middle. You know the was drop was actually drop? first. Yeah, the drop was the one that was first. Oh, the drop. The then, then he had that. The okay. other one was a pass defense by but, Eli Apple, I think. Oh no, that was just a great play by Eli Apple. Right. Yeah, but and that was did, pass defense. He got his hand on the ball. But so. but he dropped a third down right. in the first possession. Right. Of the game. Exactly. But he but he comes back and does. You know Zeke has a thirty yard reception where. Bryce has got his guy 20 yards down the field, and he's not going anywhere. I mean, that's just unbelievable blocking by him. Uh, and so, you know, he he does some of the little things as well. Did a, did a nice job in the game. And that 30-yard catch, was a, that was a pretty good catch. I mean, he laid out catch. Yeah, he laid out to get that one. No, I think – Right. I just think the catch was. Good. Yeah, I I don't. If it's a play where he has time to think about what he's doing, I think it messes him up. Maybe because you know he's been scratching and clawing to kind of make his mark for so long, and you know he, when he gets these opportunities, maybe he overthinks it. I actually thought about this um, last night when he dropped that pass. Like he had that great game in the Hall of Fame game, and afterward, he was like, "Yeah, I'm." I'm a veteran of the preseason at this point. Like I usually play pretty well in the preseason. It's yeah. the regular season that I've got to work on. And sure enough, that I mean, that happened. He made up for it with that great catch. But I wonder if you know, maybe in the adrenaline of those crazy moments, he doesn't have time to think about it and he just makes the plays because it seems like the easy ones are always the ones that get away from him. Yeah, I didn't. I, I I didn't have a problem with how he played last night. I thought he played fine, and I think he did what he was supposed to do, which is that deep ball. That's what they're expecting out of him, and that was a big play in the game. If they could have gotten a touchdown, it would have even been a bigger a bigger play for them. Wasn't the catch of the night? No, no, was not the catch of the night. Cole Beasley almost was, yeah. but. Yeah, well, I mean, we haven't really talked about it, but, I mean, that's just unbelievable. There's so much to get to out of that game because there are yeah. a couple other things I don't think we mentioned, and, and I'm going to do it here like in the Chris last Jones. minute. Yes, the two specialists. Chris Jones had four punts last night. In all four of those, he pinned the defense down within the 10-yard line. He had them at the 6, the 9, the 10, and the 10. That was his four punts last night. And then, of course, Dan Bailey kicks four field goals. He's perfect for a 421-yarder, a 48-yarder, a 42-yarder, and a 36-yarder. Those two guys, I thought, played phenomenally. And really, to me, they were just as important as any other player you can mention as a player of the game last night. Those two guys and what they contribute was just as important. I tried to tell you the day that Chris Jones signed his extension that you weren't like you just kind of glossed over it. You're like, OK, cool. He's under contract. I just assumed what's they going to pay him. I what's guess. going on with the defense, Dave? What's let's not talk about that. He's one. Of, he's he might be the most underrated player on this entire team. He's awesome. Let's not go. He might be the most underrated player on this. He night. is, Derek. He was the unsung hero. You went 59 minutes before you talk about him. Yeah, but there were other guys. Hunters are no, people. No, no, not when against a team that cannot run the ball. They can't grind out You're yards. Right. They have to be conservative already. So you put them back. And on you the got a guy like Dwayne line. Harris back there times. catching them. Yeah, I if, thought he he was the he was the, the unsung hero. Of did it. you name him player of the game? He wasn't the player of the game. Demarcus Lawrence was the player of the game, but we had an unsung hero of the game, and he was first. With Anthony Hitchens currently sidelined by injury, (laughs) he is the most underrated player on the team. All right, that's good. We appreciate you guys joining us. We are back tomorrow, 9.30, our normal time. We'll start talking a little bit bigger picture about what's happening around the NFL and move a little bit into what the Cowboys got coming up this week against the Denver Broncos. Till then, for Nick Eatman, Dave Hellman, Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about-